Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Today's message is from a chapter in Pastor Todd's book, Hide and Seek, released in 2019. If you find this message helpful, you may want to pick up that book. Pastor Todd leads us in an exploration of where our enemy, Satan, hides in our belief systems. In this message, he talks about how anger can become a stronghold or fortress in our lives based on what we believe about ourself and our circumstances. Everyone experiences anger. There is a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger. Unrighteous anger is all about us and something we believe about ourselves. Pastor Todd leads us to explore the reasons behind unrighteous anger and what we believe as a result. Finally, he leads us to recovery from the things in our heart that lead us to anger. This is not behavior modification. We need transformation. We need a spiritual house cleaning of the things in our heart that cause our unrighteous anger. Are you ready to get into it? Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. Here's what we're talking about this morning. We've been talking about a series called Hide and Seek. We're talking about the strongholds that end up in our belief system. What's a stronghold? We're defining it as a lie that is hidden in my belief system. And so the concept of hide and seek is once you go and find a hiding place that somebody else is using and you expose that, that is no longer a good hiding space. They can no longer hide there. So we want to shed light on those lies that end up in our belief system, break that stronghold out and not allow that to be used there anymore. And we've talked talked about things like fear. We've talked about things like lust. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to you about the stronghold of anger. Has anybody in here ever been angry? How many of you are actually lying? Yeah, I think anger is something we all deal with. I, I think at some point in all of our life, we've been angry about Something. And so we, we have to deal biblically with this subject of anger. And I think what I'm finding out is there are two kinds of anger that the Bible calls out. And I'm going to title them this way. There is a righteous anger and there is an unrighteous anger. So I'm going to start by defining what is a, a righteous anger. A righteous anger will always condemn Satan or the works of Satan. In other words, a righteous anger is an anger that shows you are defending the things of God. Can you think of any examples in the Bible where someone got angry defending the things of God? I I think of Jesus when he goes into the money changers in the temple and says, hey, this is supposed to be a place of worship and prayer, and you guys are making a profit off money exchange, you're making profits off selling sacrifices, and he takes a whip of cords and he turns over tables and he destroys. I don't think he did that calmly. I don't think he said one table, two tables. I think he was pretty ticked. I think there was a righteous anger in that something that the enemy was working in the people was going on and he was angry about. I think he was angry at the Pharisees uh, for their hypocrisy. I think when he said, you guys go out and proselytize someone and then you turn them into twice the son of hell as you are. 
That's a bold, strong statement. That's not a statement made out of kindness. It's a stiff rebuke. Uh, and what he was doing was saying, there's a hypocrisy going on, and that's not of God. I, I, I think about the, the, uh, the master who gave a large loan to one of his servants, and, and when his servant couldn't repay it, he forgave the loan. And then that servant went out and found somebody who owed him a small amount, and he refused to forgive him, and he got very upset with him. And the master calls him in and says, how could you not forgive him when I forgave you? I'm going to turn you over to the tormentors. I think he was righteously angry that forgiveness that he had extolled on the guy was not being passed on to anyone else. And then maybe, maybe the most supreme example of a righteous anger is the wrath of God, the righteous wrath of God against the sin of man on the cross, where it says God poured out his cup of wrath on sin, on Jesus. It was a righteous anger that was against the things of the enemy. And listen, uh, what, what, when a cause is righteous, I think anger can be a very clear voice of love. When the cause is righteous, I think anger can be a very clear voice of love. As a matter of fact, I think most Christians need to learn to get righteously anger more than they do now. Okay, let me back that up. Because there's only four of you that want to do that. Here's what's happening. I think we have this mentality that is true. It's good. It's good. But I think we only apply half of it. Where we say, man, we got to love the sinner and hate the sin. So here's what we do. In our effort to love the sinner, we become tolerant of what's going on. And we say, I'm not going to get upset by what the enemy's doing here. I'm just going to be kind to the person. Listen to me. There's a second side to that. If we're going to hate the sin, we need to get righteously upset about some of the sinful things going on around us. Now listen, a righteous anger always goes against Satan and the works of Satan, not the person. Not the person. So I believe it's righteous to be angry at the works of the enemy in the lives of our brother and sister. Now how do I deal with that when I get angry against the work of the enemy and a friend of mine. I go to him and I say, I can't stand the fact that you are deceived, that he has come against you, that it's causing chaos in your life. But listen to me, friend, you're opening the door by doing this. He's allowed to come and do that by this. So I need you to take a look at those things because I can't stand the way he's coming at you. But in my prayer closet, I'm saying all kind of nasty things to Satan. You get away from him. I don't want you touching my friend. I can't stand your work. I can't stand the stench of you. I need you out of here. There's a righteous anger that goes after Satan. But I think there is a rebuke among Christians that should be something done in love, with grace, with an understanding that my anger is not toward you. Our anger is toward what the enemy is doing in you. Therefore, I can talk to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Jesus, we know, gets angry. So there's something to be said about anger this morning, about whether this thing is right or wrong. So I want to look at the other side of anger, what I'm going to call an unrighteous anger, that there is a negative anger and that anger leads to sin. An unrighteous anger condemns a person or the works of God. An unrighteous anger condemns a person or the things of God where a righteous anger condemns Satan and the works of Satan. You got it? Okay, so here's what happens. An unrighteous anger in you 
Hang on, just grab your seat real tight. An unrighteous anger in us shows that there's something wrong in us. There's something wrong in us. So today I want to look at that unrighteous anger. And the best way I don't know to do that is just go to the first time anger comes out in the Bible. The first time it's expressed. Because I think you'll see there a template of what anger is and how we deal with anger. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, are you with me? Yes. Two of you, good. Three, all right, Genesis 4. With three or more gathered, I guess we can go. Genesis three, uh, 4, 3. We know this is the story of Cain and Abel, the, the children of Adam and Eve. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. So we know Cain was a farmer. Cain was a tiller. Cain was a worker of the ground. Abel, the brother, on his part, also brought of the firstling of his flocks and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, the Lord had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance, his disposition, his look fell. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? That's my statement for today. I want you to say that with me. Why are you angry? Ready? Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? But if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain told Abel, his brother, it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. I want to analyze this first entrance of anger into our, uh, into our lives in Scripture and just look at the sequence of what happened. God says that He wants them to bring offerings and a certain type of offering. Now, that's not expressly written there. We're not exactly sure what it was that they were to do, but He implied that there are offerings that you need to bring and they were doing that. So Abel does it, but Cain does something different than what God said. God accepts Abel's offering and he rejects Cain's offering. Cain ends up getting angry. Cain's countenance falls. God tells Cain that if he does well, his countenance will rise. But if he doesn't do well, his countenance will fall. God tells him that sin is crouching at the door and that he must master sin. Cain does not master sin. And we know that because Cain then commits murder. So let me ask you the question. When we look at the story, what was the sin that was committed? Murder. Murder was the sin that's committed because up until that point before the murder was committed, God does not call out a sin in Cain. He just says, why are you angry? And if you're angry, sin is crouching. So sin hasn't arrived yet. So we know there's not sin in his anger. As a matter of fact, we know that there is an anger that is a righteous anger because in Ephesians 4.26, we're told, be angry, but don't sin. So you can be angry, but not sin. Does this mean God wants us to get angry? Now I'll get to that in a minute. So what is the source of Cain's sin? Was it his anger? No. Actually, the source of Cain's sin was not doing well in what God had told him to do. God says the problem is that Cain did not do what he was asked to do. Therefore, 
anger came. Now you're kind of looking at me blank and that's okay. Let's just walk right back through this and let me show you what I'm saying. In verse 3, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering of the Lord uh, of the fruit of the ground and Abel on his part also brought the firstling of his frock and the fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Now most scholars believe that the issue was that Abel did not bring his first fruits. That he brought fruits of the ground, but you'll notice a, uh, um, Cain did not bring his first fruits. But you notice that Abel brought the firstling of his flock, but Cain did not bring the first of his fruits. Uh, and we know as we go through Scripture that God requires first fruits, that, that we give to God first. And maybe if you haven't seen it, look at uh, when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan to go into the Promised Land. And God says of the city of Jericho, I want you to take all the gold and the silver and put it in the temple. It's for God, it's not for you. Why? Because Jericho was the first city to be conquered in the Promised Land. So they're giving the first fruits of the land to God. And so it doesn't appear from Scripture that Cain gave first fruits. So that's subjection. But it says, because of this, Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Now, why did he become angry? He became angry because God had no regard for his offering. And you might say it was probably because he had regard for Abel's, but you have to look at what God says about his anger to know that what the actual issue is for Cain is that he didn't do well. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Again, that's going to be my question for you today all the way through, and we're going to end on that point, figuring out why are you angry? And why is your countenance falling? Now watch. If you do well, will your countenance not be lifted up? Now, God just gave the comparison. When you're angry, your countenance falls. When you don't do well, you become angry and your countenance falls. And when you do well, your countenance is lifted up and you're not angry. So God says, if you had done what I asked you to do, you would not have gotten angry. God says, when you do what I ask, you don't end up angry. God did not say, when you thought about what Abel did, you got angry. God did not say when you thought about what I thought of what Abel did, you got angry. Now, I don't know if I'm making this point yet or not, but here's what I'm saying. If Cain had done what God asked him to do in the way of offering, there would have never been the opportunity for him to get angry. Are you following? So the issue is not his anger because God says you're angry and now sin is crouching at the door, but you're angry because you didn't do what I asked you to do. So when I say the issue about anger is typically always an issue in us, it is not an issue about Abel. It's an issue about Cain having to deal with Cain's consequences from not having done what God asked him to do. And that's why he gets angry. 7b. And if you do not do well, then sin is crouching at the door and its desire, I believe that sin's desire, is for you, but you must master it. So anger came from Cain's response to not having done right. Now this is really, to me, intriguing when we think about anger. Because what God is saying is, why are you angry? Let's go back and look at why are you angry? You're not angry because Abel gave something good. You're angry because I told you to do this. You did not do that. I rejected your offering and now you're angry. 
So you need to go back, Cain, and look at why are you angry? What actually went wrong? It didn't have anything to do with Abel because an unrighteous anger would point at, um, would point at Abel and your anger was unrighteous. But then he says, listen, when you get to this place of anger, something's going on. Something that you don't know about, Cain, is going on. And this is why I want you to really think about what happens when you get to a place of being angry. Because when you get to a place of angry, sin is crouching at the door. Now, what's he saying? He's saying that, Cain, you haven't sinned yet by being angry. But man, you are sitting right there on the line. You got your hand on the doorknob to open it up to something crouch. You know that Satan goes around like a roaring seeking who may devour, right? Now, let me ask you something. When you've watched all those uh, Natural Geographic films about how lions uh, capture something, what does a lion do before he captures his prey? He crouches. He gets quiet. He gets still. Listen to me. He gets quiet and he gets still and he waits until his prey comes close enough to him. This is what God is telling Cain about anger. You don't understand by being in this unrighteous, angry place, the devil is just sitting there saying, come here, Cain. Come here, Cain. You're really close now. And when you get close, I'm pouncing. This is what God is saying to Cain about his anger. So Cain would have never gotten angry if he had done well with the instruction God gave him. So the issue was never able It was Cain not having done well that led him to get angry. So my question for today is, why are you getting angry? Because an unrighteous anger shows that there's something wrong in us. Inside of me, something is wrong when I have an unrighteous... I'm not dealing with something correctly. I don't know what to do with it. I'm using anger as a response. So then God offers this warning to him about sin being right there. And so we have to recognize that anger is not so much the issue, but anger opens the door for the devil to come in and get close to pouncing on us in order to create sin. And so we have to recognize that anger is an emotion brought about by something we're dealing with. And we need to stop looking at the anger and start looking at the source of the anger. You'll get this in a minute. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about that they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, and he killed his brother. So Cain did not kill Abel because Abel did something to Cain. He didn't kill Abel because Abel did good in the sight of the God. Cain killed Abel because he was angry, and he was angry because he did not do what God had asked him to do. So the problem is not Abel, and the problem is not anger. The problem is Cain. Cain. Cain's inability to deal with the rejection or the consequences of him not doing what he was supposed to do. Remember, an unrighteous anger shows that there's something wrong in me. And anger is an emotion like sadness or boredom or giddiness. And anger is an emotion that is brought on. Anger is an emotion that is brought on by something else, not someone else. It is brought on by something else not by some one else. It's the result of another thing that I don't know how to deal with. The other person is just the instrument to bring that other thing to my attention. Are you hearing me? I'm not mad at you, 
but I'm angry and I'm angry because of something you said because there's a truth in it because there's a lie in it it's that thing that I'm dealing with not you you're just the instrument being used for it and anger can bring me into sin so what are the things that bring about anger what are the things that bring about anger I think there are things like rejection hatred vengeance retaliation Abuse, cruelty, unforgiveness, bitterness, judgmentalism or criticism, taking an offense, hurt, jealousy. This is huge because none of those things that I just listed are a person. They're all a thing. And that thing has to be dealt with by me. These are all issues that I have in my belief system that I have in my heart because anger is not caused by other people or my circumstances. Anger is caused by what's in my heart coming out. Anger is caused by what's in my heart coming out. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, slandering. So in my heart, there is a hurt. In my heart, there is a jealousy. In my heart, there is a vengeance. But in my heart, inside of me, is supposed to be the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and love, joy, peace, patience. But when my heart is not right, what comes out of me is a response that is angry. And nobody can make you angry. And so this is what I'm seeing in and amongst believers that I think is just absolutely driving me crazy. Because even when I went and studied for this message and I began to listen to what other people had to say about anger, everybody is saying the same thing and I think it's wrong. Here's what they're saying. We, as believers, must learn to control our anger. Control my anger. I want to make sure I don't demonstrate in some way. I want to make sure I don't hurt you with my words. And that's not the issue. It's, it's kind of like saying you own a wild tiger. One that's going to bite you and kill you and make pillage your house and make an absolute mess. But here's what we want to do. If we can just figure out how to get that tiger in the cage, everything is good. No. Why? Because I still have the tiger in the cage. There's still an opportunity for the tiger to get out of the cage. The tiger is still there. How do I kill the tiger? I kill what's bringing about the anger. I learn to deal with the issues of hurt and rejection and retaliation and vengeance. And when I learn how to deal with those with the fruits of the Spirit, then I get rid of the opportunity for tiger ever to come to life. Are you seeing that? It's kind of like saying, I don't like being in the breeze of this fan. So I'm going to build a wall right here so that that fan can't touch me when I could have just reached over and turned the fan off. What we do with our anger is we say, well, I just got to cool off and I got to talk to, you know, I got to count to 10 and I got to take a walk outside and I got to do some breathing exercises. That's all control. That's all control of anger. And that's not our goal. Our goal is not to control anger. Our goal is to look at the source of the anger and stop it at its source so we don't get angry. Because once we get angry, then sin is crouching, just waiting. Come on, get a little madder. Let him say one more thing that gets to you. 
Let your boss do one more change that drives you crazy. Let your kids stay out two minutes after the curfew. One more thing so that I can pounce on you. Mm. So anger is caused a lot of times by our own unfulfilled desires. In James 4, it says this. What's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? What is the root of why you're getting angry and mad with each other? Why are you arguing with each other? What is the source of that? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? See, see, you lust and you do not have. So listen to me. You get angry and you commit murder. You are envious and you cannot obtain. So you get angry and you fight and you quarrel because you do not, and you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, we want something and we don't get it. So we get angry and anger steps us into sin. So whenever you're angry, ask yourself this question. What is it that I want right now that I'm not getting? And what's the appropriate response to not having what I want right now? See, anger toward another person, uh, Jesus even reflects it as a murder in the heart, if you will. Uh, in Matthew 5, 21, he says, You've heard the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable into the court. But I, Jesus, says to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brothers, you're good for nothing, he's going to be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, you're going to be guilty enough to go into a fiery hell. Now listen, there's a whole bunch I could preach out of that. Just understanding the levels of the court system and how, how he's phrasing and what he's saying you've done. Here's my point though. Jesus seems to take our anger very, very seriously. He says, you got to watch it when you get angry because you're going to be guilty when you get angry if it is an unrighteous anger. Now, an unrighteous anger, Megan, there's a righteous anger. There's a right time to get mad at the enemy and there's a right time to stand up and do that. Uh, and then there's an unrighteous anger. And we do this silly, silly thing by saying, you know what? What you need is to vent. So when you want to vent, just give me a call. You know, what I need to do is go outside and scream and yell and cuss and kick because I'm just getting that anger out of me. Let me tell you what you're doing when you do that. You are training your anger response. You are training it. You are saying, this is what I do when I get angry. I hit, I yell, I scream, I run. Those are the things you're saying that are okay, that when I get angry, I give myself permission to do these things. Listen to me. What you should be saying is, why am I getting angry? Because something is broken in me that's making me get angry. And if I could fix that, I wouldn't have to discuss how do I train my anger. So what are the lies? What are the lies that anger tells us? What are those things that are hidden in our belief system? Here's the lies I think anger tells you. The lie is that anger is an appropriate response when we don't get what we want. The lie is that anger is an appropriate response when we want something Change. Now listen to me on this next one. The lie is that anger can manipulate the situation to become what I want it to be. You think about that. 
I am going to get angry because I want it changed to what I want it to be. And what I'm going to do is intimidate you because you don't want to feel my wrath. So I'm going to pour my wrath out on you to a point where you say, okay, fine, whatever, we'll do it your way. I think sometimes in marriages, it even gets to the place of threats. Do you really want me to get mad at you? Do you really want to bring that up again? Do you want to feel my wrath? Because I've been practicing and I've got it all prepared. So you just bring it up again and here we go. Never fixing the problem. It is a lie that anger is beneficial to your emotional well-being if you explode physically with it. That somehow that's a good release. The lie of anger is that my explosion is the fault of someone else. That is a lie straight from hell. You are responsible for your own actions. And if you decide to hit someone, if you decide to hit them with your words, if you decide to throw a fit and run away, it's all on you, buddy. It's all you. You're making that decision. Uh, The lie of anger is that it is not controllable and I can't help it. You could if you would go back to the source of the anger and cut it off there. Why am I jealous? Why do I want something different? Why can't I uh, uh, accept it the way it is? And then finally, the lie of anger is that the problem isn't me. The problem is my circumstance or the people around me. They're the ones making me angry. Not true. You're making a decision to get angry, and you're making that decision based on the fact that you don't know how to deal with the issue at hand. Phew. You guys okay? Okay. All right. So what do I do? What do I do if I'm in a place where I seem to be struggling with anger on a regular basis? What do I do if I'm exploding at the people around me? What do I do if I can't handle it at work, if I can't keep my composure, if, if sometimes I'm doing things that are wrong because I got mad and decided it was okay to do them? First of all, start by evaluating what makes you unrighteously anger and get to the source of what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me is I don't like the fact that that other person got something I don't think they deserved. So I'm going to be angry at that other person because they got something they didn't deserve. That's your problem, not theirs. Praise God, they got a blessing they didn't deserve. I got salvation and I didn't deserve it. So you can be mad at me. Okay, so sometimes people are going to get things they don't deserve, but that can't make me angry because that's not between me and them. That's between them and God. Okay, recognize that you can justify your anger as righteous, but you can justify your anger as righteous, but if it is harmful to another person, it is unrighteous. Well, let me say that again. If your anger is harm, you're thinking, well, didn't Jesus get mad at people? Listen to me. When Jesus got upset with Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, did it ruin the relationship between Peter and Jesus? No, because it was a righteous anger and it was delivered to a person about what the person was saying. Jesus was upset because he was saying, you don't think I should go to the cross and die. You think I should stay here. That's not a thought of God. That's a thought of Satan. So get you behind me right now. But he did it in a loving way so that the relationship maintained between Jesus and Peter. He wasn't upset with Peter. He was upset that Satan had convinced Peter that Jesus should not die. So the victim of your anger should always be Satan. 
Oh, you can write that down. You can put it on Facebook and make the little pink squares with the big white letters with the Pastor Todd under it. Listen to <laughs> The victim of your anger should always be Satan. That's the only one we have a righteous anger against because of the works that he's doing and the things that he is doing. And then finally, I think we need to repent and reconcile with those who have personally felt the wrath of our anger. I've known families that are split up and people who haven't talked in years because of an angry outburst. Because somebody allowed that crouching Satan next to their anger to jump in and pounce and to take them in and to cause them to sin. And they murdered the relationship they had with someone. They hurt someone's feeling. They said something they didn't even mean. They even regretted it, but they've never gone back and said, I let Satan get the best of me. It makes me sick that he got the best of me and it ended up vomiting on you. So I just want to apologize to you for letting Satan get the best of me in saying that. Here was my actual issue. I wasn't forgiving you for something you had said to me. I was jealous of you about this or that. I had some vengeance issues that I need to take care of, but they're all my issues. They're not your issues. Maybe there's a place where we sit back and say, unrighteous anger will always tell me I'm not dealing with something in a righteous way. Maybe I could stop and say, if I don't want to keep getting angry the way I'm getting angry, my solution is not to get away from people. My solution is to learn how to deal with the things that lead me to anger. And if it comes out in a person, then I've got to go back and find out why in that person, where is the hurt with that person, where is the vengeance with that person, Where's the jealousy with that person? I think the Bible talks about anger as a normal response that believers will have. But there is a righteous anger that is against our enemy. And there is an unrighteous anger that allows Satan to come right up next to you crouches, hides. If you don't know what I mean, if you've never been in one of those angry fits and you knew it was in your head to say something you knew you shouldn't say, to strike someone you knew you shouldn't strike, to do something you know you shouldn't do, that is the enemy crouching next to you during anger. He's saying, go ahead. You have a right to. Go ahead. This will make you feel better. Go ahead. This will show them that you're serious. That's all Satan. That's all Satan. And it's time for us to get mad at the enemy instead of the brothers and sisters. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. What if, in our attempt to get something from Scripture, we are missing the point of that Scripture? What if in our desire to do better and walk our Christianity more closely in line with Scripture, we are missing what the Scripture is about? Pastor Todd's latest book, Flip the Script, takes a fresh look at what the scriptures are meant to teach us about the kingdom of God so that application comes from spiritual understanding instead of behavior modifications. This new book is available now on Amazon, Flip the Script. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, Go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. 
We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.